Amen. Hey, Sean, are you going to take kiddos? So if you would like to uh, go to Children's uh, Church with, with Shauna, you can. Uh, she has one hand, so be nice to her today. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles with you, uh, grab them. Um, we're going to be in the book of Romans, chapter 10 today. We're also going to be in uh, Mark uh, 9, I think. Uh, we might even jump into Genesis for a brief moment. Um, but we're going to have a good time today. Hey, let me ask you a question. Raise your hand if you believe in heroes. Do you believe in heroes? Heroes? Uh, faith heroes? Um, sports heroes? Yeah, I don't know. How about, how about this? How many of you young men in the room, and uh, you can be a young man if you're under the age of 100, how many of you at one point in time, your father, your dad was a hero of yours? He was a, a great role model. Um, maybe you had a hero in your life because they were an extraordinary purpose, a person. They, had, they maybe had extraordinary talents or gifts. Um, I had heroes growing up. Lots of different heroes. Many of them were sports heroes. Um, the 1975 and 76 Cincinnati Reds provided me with a lot of heroes. But also when I was a kid, I had one other hero that many of you young men in the room might relate to. How many of you uh, would say that at, 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 at maybe still today, at different points in your life, that, that a, a man named John Wayne was your hero? John Wayne was one of my heroes. Now, the sad part about John Wayne right now is if you mention John Wayne to somebody that's probably under the age of 18, they're like, who? What? Until you sit them down and, 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 and watch a John Wayne movie or two with them, they have no idea who we're talking about. But John Wayne was one of my heroes. And here's the thing about all of John Wayne's movies. I believed everything that I saw John Wayne do in those movies was absolutely real. I believed it was true. I mean, he could do all these things. He could be this incredible uh, figure and character. He could be that guy that, that would walk up to somebody and in a confrontation, and he would look at him dead in the eye and say, I'm not going to hit you. And then he would hit him. And it was just, you know, he was a hero of mine. Now, now as a child, so my favorite John Wayne movies, number one, my, first, my, my favorite John Wayne movie is Big Jake. Anybody with me on Big Jake? Okay. Uh, then probably, um, I know some of you will, will disagree with me, but I loved Rio Lobo, I, and I loved Rio Bravo, and I loved El Dorado. All three of those, even though they were kind of the same movie three times, I still liked them. But one of my favorites uh, growing up was John Wayne and the Cowboys. How many of you ever seen John Wayne and the Cowboys? Now, here's a little known uh, fact about John Wayne. He only died in two movies that he was in. He died in The Cowboys. Can anybody tell me what other movie John Wayne died in? Not True Grit. Well, no, he did, didn't he? The Shootist. The Shootist was the, one, the other one he died in, which was his last movie. Now, I, I have to tell you this story. I was a kid, and I was watching John Wayne and the Cowboys for the very first time on TV. And... When it came to the scene when John Wayne died, and I don't remember this as well as my mother did, but my mom said that when John Wayne died in that movie, I just simply got up from my seat in the living room watching the movie, and I went back in my bedroom. And she thought that was odd. And so a few minutes later, she 
went down to my room to see what was happening, and I was in my bedroom crying. I believed in my heart that John Wayne, my hero, had truly died. And I was torn up. I mean, the, the world, my, my eight-year-old world was ending because my hero had just died right in front of me. Thankfully, my mom said, oh, no, honey, you need to understand, that's just a movie. He, he just died in the movie. He didn't really die. And I, and I didn't really believe her at, at first, and so she had to find something in the news or something in a magazine that showed me that he was still alive. But that's what I believed. I believed that my hero, John Wayne, had died. And, and what does that have to do with today and where we're going? Well, it has a lot to do with where we're going today because what you believe about things, what you be, believe about life, what you be, believe about faith, that matters, right? It matters what we believe. Because belief determines our perspectives of reality. My reality in that moment was that my hero had died. And until I was proven different, that was my reality. That my hero was gone. Some other things about belief. Belief will shape our thoughts, doesn't it? I mean, all you have to do in our world today is watch the news or spend some time online and what everyone is telling you, whether you're on this side of the aisle or that side of the aisle or, or from whichever persp political perspective or medical perspective or whatever, you will find many, many different beliefs and for some, even if that belief is absolutely incorrect, that can and will become people's realities. Belief will also shape our thoughts, what we believe about something. I mean, if you believe that something is real or true, it will shape your thoughts. It will shape the way that you make decisions. And it will shape your actions, the way that you respond as well. Now, the unique thing about belief is that I think belief, it emerges from our very soul. It emerges from deep inside of us. And then belief can really truly define you, depending on where you land or where you stand. And belief dictates how we behave in our actions. In fact, I think what we believe can even, check this out, I think what we, can be, what we believe can, can even affect or alter our destiny. Where you end up. I even think that your belief especially what you believe about God can alter your eternity, can determine your eternity. Do you believe that? So what is belief? Well, to believe is to accept as true or real and to have faith and confidence or trust in that belief. See, belief is faith in what is true and real. But belief shouldn't be uh, true about something that isn't right or isn't real. And then having confidence that we can trust this belief. Everyone believes in something. Every one of us believes in something. Even people who don't believe in anything, 
If, if somebody says, no, I don't believe in anything. They've got to have some sort of belief about their anything to believe that ex- it exists. Yeah, I believe in nothing. Well, your nothing has to be something for you to believe that there's nothing. Now, here's the deal with belief. Whatever we believe, it should be established in truth. Don't you think? Don't you think that whatever we believe should be established in truth? Now, there are going to be times as your pastor that I may offend you when I speak the truth about things. And I want you to understand when I speak the truth about something, I'm going to do my very, very best to speak the truth based on God's Word, not on my opinion, not on what I think. But God's Word tells us that marriage is between a man and a woman. That's what I believe, and that's what is true. Okay? Hope I didn't offend anybody. Um, We're not online yet, and so I know that I won't get any emails tomorrow. But that's what we believe. We also believe that God created male and female. That is truth. That is real. Okay? So whatever we put our faith in, whatever we believe in, has to be grounded in what is true, what has established truth. And you can't write your own truth based on your thoughts or feelings. And, 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 and belief is essential in establishing truth. It was such a relief when my mom came in and consoled me and helped convince me that my hero, that the Duke was not gone. Because that was the truth. And truth is reassuring. Truth is comforting. Truth carries power and authority. Truth is also something that conforms to reality or actuality. It, it, has, an, it has elements of sincerity. It is based on integrity. Those are key components to truth. Something that ultimately exists or is real. That's what belief is. That's what truth is. And truth is important. Knowing what is right, knowing what is true is important. Truth sometimes can be hard to take. Have you ever been given some news that is truth and it was hard to take? I have. And truth should ultimately be what we seek in all things, in all circumstances. Truth should be what we desire, what we seek to find. True belief is also having confidence in what is right and then aligning ourselves with that. And see, when our beliefs are aligned with truth, our lives become aligned with what's real and right. How much simpler would life be if everyone aligned with what is real and right rather than what we feel or desire? See, what we believe should be foundational. It should be formative. And it should form our community of faith. What we believe should influence and bring into unity our choices with what is right and true and what is wrong and false. Because belief matters 
And here's the thing. Today, what each and every one of you believes matters. It matters to you. matters to the people in your family. It matters to God. And He is concerned about what you and I believe. About the world, about Him, about faith, about love and life and eternity. So what do we believe? What do we believe as Christ followers? Or even as a church of the Nazarene, a church formed in a Wesleyan, a Wesleyan holiness tradition. Well, here's the thing. If you believe in God, if you are a Christian, if you are a Christ follower, what we believe is declared beautifully in Romans chapter 10. So if you have your Bible, look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, Paul is giving us a great statement about faith, a, a great declaration about faith. Here's what it says. Romans 10, verses 9 and 10 says this. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So verse 9 and 10 are a confession of our faith. They are a confession of what we believe about Jesus as it relates to us personally. It is also a pledge of what we believe. It is a statement that others should hear from us that says this is what I believe about Jesus and what knowing Jesus provides to me. It's also a statement of position. You could almost read this scripture this way. You could also say, I could also say it this way. I declare with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and I believe in my heart that I am saved. For it is with my heart that I believe and I am justified and it is by my mouth that I profess my faith and I am saved. It's a pledge. It's a profession. It's also a statement of position because it declares something very important for, the, for a believer to discover. It, it states this position. It declares that if, if you're willing to put your I and my in that Scripture, you are you are declaring, you are professing that Jesus is not just your Savior, that which saved you from your wretched life, but He is your Lord. Jesus is Lord. He's my Lord. And there's a difference between Savior and Lord. Okay? See, we believe in this theological and practical perspective that Jesus, in the life of a believer who gives himself over to Christ that we allow Jesus to have lordship over our lives which practically means that we give Jesus overreaching and unlimited authority over our lives every area of our lives and this kind of belief this lordship it should do some things in our lives it should draw a line between the will and ways of the world 
and the will and ways of God. It should, this lordship should help us to form boundaries against the evil that is in the world and what is good and right in Christ Jesus. It should also help us to define our morality, our morals. And these aren't just behavioral things. These are literally the kind of things that our nature changes. Okay? So, when you're in Christ and you allow Christ Jesus to be your Lord, He begins to change your nature. So old habits or behaviors that were in your past aren't just things that you abstain for anymore. They are things that you are free from now. You don't have the same desires. You don't have the same weaknesses. You don't fall into the same temptations because Jesus is your Lord. It should help us to establish a contrast between our lives and the way that we live and the lives of those that just simply live in the world and live by the world's standards. See, belief in lordship brings us into harmony with God's truth. It brings us into harmony with God's will and ways. Belief should also motivate our thoughts, our attitudes, our decisions, our actions. In fact, the lordship of Jesus should help determine those decisions. Who you choose to be with, who you choose to marry, how faithful you are in that marriage, the house you buy, the job you have. Quick little story. When I was, when I'd just become a Christian and I'd just answered my call to ministry and I had just started uh, uh, Nazarene Bible College to become a pastor, I lost my job at a company called Aramark Uniform Services. I was a laundry truck driver. And if you know anything about our denomination, our position on alcohol is that we abstain from alcohol. If you like to have a beer at dinner, if you have wine in your house, don't freak out. In fact, if, if I come see you and you got wine in your fridge, don't hide it. We're cool. Just God's word says do not be prone to drunkenness. But as Nazarenes, we believe that we abstain from alcohol. That's just kind of our thing. And so Shortly after I lost my job, I had this friend of mine call me up and he said, hey, Scott, I, I work for Premier Distributor, which is the beer and wine distributor in our community. He says, you know what? I heard you lost your job. We got openings. I can get you on in a heartbeat. All you have to do is come and interview. The job's yours. And I was, I was like, really? Oh, wow. And I hung up the phone. I told Kristen. And she's like, oh, well, that's interesting. But then instantly, because Jesus is my Lord, my spirit was checked. I'm like, how in the world can I be a God called minister pursuing a call to ministry and yet work for a company that sells beer and wine so i called my buddy back and i said hey i'm going to pass on that that that's an example of how the lordship changes our attitudes our actions our thoughts maybe where we work okay see belief leads us to action and 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 knowing or the knowledge doesn't always lead you to action. So even if you, in, in our hearts, in our heart of hearts, that, that, that lordship that dwells in there, that is what helps us make those decisions. Because if we rationalize things with our mind, uh, it would have been easy for me to take the job in my mind. Yeah, I can deliver it. I'm not going to drink it. It's easy to rationalize things in our mind, but it's in our heart where our soul speaks. And where Jesus either resides and has authority or whether he just kind of visits. 
And you know and I know this. You, this is not new to you. And here's how I know that you know this. Because how many of you, how many of you know, know that there are things that we should or should not do, things that you should or shouldn't be doing, but your thoughts haven't kept you from doing them? But when you really wrestle with something, it's the wrestle from the heart is what really brings you to a place where you do or do not. See, to believe is to be moved into action. To know, to know is to maybe or maybe not. To believe in our heart leads us to what Jesus said, it, which is justification. And if you don't know what justification means, that means that when Jesus comes into your life and, and his life, death, and resurrection cover your sins, it means you are justified in Christ, meaning just as if none of those things in your past ever happened. So to believe with our heart that we are justified gives us this new perspective, this, this beginning, which is right standing with God. And it leads us into this profession of faith that moves from salvation to lordship. See, belief, it originates in the heart. Truth in the mind. But eventually what we believe and what we think are inevitably reconciled in the heart. Which means that our affections, our desires, our love for God, they, it must be greater than even what we know about God. Because so many people, have you ever known somebody that knows everything about God, yet deep down in their life they're not really where they're supposed to be with Him? See, our affection, our desire, and our love should drive our passion to learn and to know and, and ultimately obey God. See, saying I believe is the emotional and mental act of placing our trust and confidence in God by giving Jesus authority over us. So what does this mean for us in a practical, everyday way of life? See, belief matters in every situation. What you believe matters in every second of every day. And it also matters in those obvious moments when life hangs in the balance, when decisions have real consequences, real benefits. Let me show you uh, an example from Scripture in Mark chapter 9 of one of these real-life situations where belief mattered. Found in Mark chapter 9, I'm going to read verses 14 through 24. It says, When they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them, and the, treat, and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder, and they ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd, he answered. He said, Teacher, I brought you my son, who was possessed by a spirit, and and, and, and that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth. He gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. He says, I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. You unbelieving generation, Jesus replied. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought him. 
And when the spirit that was in the boy saw Jesus, he fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire and, or, or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Notice the father's plea. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus says, if, if you can, I mean, do you realize who you're talking to here? Jesus says, you must know that everything is possible for one who believes. See, there's that belief. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Now, we see in this scripture, we see two perspectives. The first perspective we see is the disciples. Because the disciples have been doing lots of stuff in Jesus' name. They've been having good success. But in amongst their success, they're still not confident. They still don't have enough belief that every time they're called upon to move for God, to do something for God, that God's going to show up. And then there's the perspective of the father, a desperate father. So let's take a look at these disciples first. You know, they had, exam- they had experienced some brief successes, but they lacked experience to have consistent faith results. And why do we pause there? Why do we take a look at that? Well, is there anyone here in the room that can relate to the disciples? I mean, you began your journey with God. You started to walk with Him. You read His Word. You prayed. You sought God. And you had some of these really good faith moments where God started moving in your life. But then you just lacked enough experience. You you lacked enough confidence or strength to continue. And you may have been doing really well for a while, and then all of a sudden you found yourself right back where you started. We can relate to the disciples. I mean, they were with Jesus himself. They saw Jesus doing all these things. He gave them the power and the authority to do them. They went out and did them, and yet when, when it, they were called on to do them again, sometimes they just didn't have enough confidence. They didn't have enough faith. They didn't have enough belief. I think we do that too, don't we? I mean, there are moments in our lives when we're just, we're riding high. We're on a spiritual mountaintop. And then all of a sudden, we end up in a valley and all the, all the belief, all the confidence in God that we had before seems to wane. And now you have this father, this, this desperate father. And he has this moment with Jesus. In the midst of despair, And what do we see? We see Jesus focus on the Father. And that's good news for us. Do you know why it's good news for us? Because if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, when you find yourself in the midst of despair, Jesus turns his attention to you. He he stops what he's doing, and he says, I'm going to listen. I'm going to lean into your despair right now. I'm going to learn, lean into what you're going through right now. Because when we believe that Jesus is the Lord of our lives, when we give him that attention, we discover that his attention has already been drawn to us. The father, he pleads. I mean, he really prays. He really prays. I do believe. 
Help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus turns his attention to the Father, the Father is drawn into this deep level of prayer. And help me. Here's the thing. When Jesus turns his attention to you, it should lead you to the same kind of response. We should, we should be, Jesus, help me to believe. You may be in a situation right now where you can't see what God is doing. But if you will lean in, if you will lean in and say, God, I, I, help me to overcome my unbelief in this situation. Jesus is your Lord. He will turn his attention to you and he will help you overcome that unbelief. And belief, what you believe, it matters. Especially in situations like the Father was experiencing. Because here's the thing, when things are difficult, when things are unbearable, when, when you're experiencing or you're going through a season of negative circumstances, maybe from some actions, when, the, when those circumstances seem to rule you, if you can muster the belief to believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, when you feel like you've hit the wall, when you've reached the dead end and nothing seems to be working, if you can believe with your heart and declare that Jesus is Lord with big choices looming, with things seeming to be out of control, with difficult choices, painful choices on the horizon, open-ended choices, if you can believe with your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, when your years of unbelief seem to, to overcome you, when, when your years of belief begin to wane, when your faith wavers, if we can believe with our heart and declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, I mean, maybe you're, you're standing on the edge of a compromise. Do I, do I stand firm in God's will and ways or do I cross this? If you're in that moment, if you believe with your heart and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, I believe the Lord Jesus will pull you back from that place where you thought I might go. I think he will help you with your unbelief. I think he will help you to believe that those circumstances, they may be temporary, but they're not eternal. And in Christ, all things are possible. You can overcome that. So believe straight from the heart, and you will garner the attention of Jesus, the Lord of your life. So what does all of this mean for how we live practically? See, the essence of belief is that it matters. In particular, what you believe, whether it's godly or ungodly, it matters. All of our beliefs have actions. All of them have ramifications. All of our beliefs have consequences. And none of these beliefs matter more than what we believe about God, what we believe about Jesus. And let's not forget what we believe about the Holy Spirit. Because if you if you waver and if you wane in your faith, you need to start paying attention to the Spirit of God in your life. Because the Spirit of God will, will strengthen you and remind you those wavering moments as Satan shows up on one shoulder and starts talking to you, the Holy Spirit will get on the other 
if you'll let it. Because our beliefs about God and Jesus, they determine important aspects of our life. Like how we practice the fruits of the Spirit we talked about last week. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Things like our attitudes and our actions, our ability to discover our God-given purpose. If you, if you struggle to discover your God-given purpose, it's probably because you haven't let Jesus be the Lord of your life yet. The likelihood of whether or not we will play our role in God's story is determined by whether Jesus is your Lord or just your Savior. And our beliefs about God and our beliefs about Jesus, they ultimately will determine your eternity. Now, there's a, there's a great example of, of, of a couple in the Old Testament that are, that are challenged to believe against all odds. Maybe there's somebody here today that is in a season or in a circumstance where you are being challenged to believe in God the Father against all odds. If you are, then you should relate to this little story. It's a beautiful little story in the Old Testament. It's, well, it's actually a small story that becomes a big story. But, but, but it's one of these stories where we're challenged to really believe in God. To, to, to muster, to find an even greater belief than we think that we could muster on our own. And this story is about Abraham and, and Sarah, and it's found in Genesis chapter 17. Let's take a really quick look at this, at their experience. And then we're going to look at the apostle. The apostle Paul is going to kind of give us some instruction from it. It's found in Genesis chapter 17, verses 3 through 6. Abraham is, is, is with God. He's having a conversation with God. And, and if, you, if you know this history, Abraham is an old man at this time, and, and he's been promised at different times that he's going to be the father of a great nation, but yet he and Sarah have no children, and they're old, and none of she Sarah's way beyond advanced maternal age. And so here's how it goes. It says, Abraham, he fell face down, and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. Now here's the thing. Abraham and Sarah, they were well beyond they were well beyond a midlife crisis. God had promised them that he had promised Abraham that he would be the father of a nation. Here he's nearing 100 years old, still no children with with Sarah. But God promised that they would. So Abraham and Sarah continued to muster enough faith to believe. Where do you think that belief originated? From the head or the heart? I mean, Abraham's like, I'm 100 years old. I mean, she ain't far behind. I mean, it, it originated from the heart, guys. How about you? When faced with a situation of whether or not you're going to believe God that he's going to deliver, that he's going to come through, does that belief start here? Or does it start here? Because the easiest way for me to unravel God's plans is to work on them right here. If, if I want to undo what God is doing, <laughs> I can do it in my mind. Does your unbelief 
or your belief begin in your heart or your head? I mean, it's true for me. When I struggle, it's always, my, it's always what's between my ears that gets in the way. Abraham and Sarah, they let their heart lead. They let their heart lead the way so that they could ultimately discover the blessing that God would have for them. Now, in Romans chapter 4, Paul reminds us of Abraham's belief, and in this piece of Scripture, he gives us six belief principles that I want to give you as we close today. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, Paul reminds us. He says, What then shall we say, uh, uh, when, what then shall we say that Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh, discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. Verse 3 says, What does Scripture say? It says that Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. And through Abraham, we, 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 we're going to learn a few things about belief, which is available to every one of us that places Jesus as Lord of our lives. Verse 16 of Romans 4 says this, Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed, guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. First of the six principles is now found in verse 17. It says, as it is written, I have made you father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. So in this, in verse 17, what we discover is that Abraham believed in God. And because we are children of Abraham, part of God's family, we have the same connection to the creator of the universe who brings life. In essence, we're related now to a pretty powerful person. We have a pretty powerful God. And the first principle we see here is that belief is confident in a, is confident in a powerful person because our belief matters but it matters even more because of him who provides see you and I we can believe a lot of things but our belief originated in the one who created it all is, is way more powerful than what you or I could muster, muster on our own our second principle is found in Romans chapter 4, verse 18. It says, Against all hope, Abraham, in hope, believed, and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Here's the other principle. Abraham ends up having a child with Sarah, just like God said. In the midst of all the struggle, in the midst of the years of 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 god of, of god's timing being not what sarah and abraham wanted in the midst of their despair and all their waiting and all the pain of that process and believe me if you go back and you read that story there's pain in that process because our second principle is this belief 
is comfort in the midst of pain. Abraham, he had hoped, and his hopes had been crushed before. He, he had gotten his hopes up, only to be crushed. Hopes up, crushed. How about you? Have you ever had your hopes, and then all of a sudden they're crushed? God promised Abraham to be there in the middle of pain, and he keeps his promises. And so our second principle today is whatever season you're in, whatever you're in the midst of, God promises to be with you on the mountaintop, and he promises to be with you in the valley. So if you're in that season of pain, if you're in that season of difficulty, God promises you, I'm going to be there with you the whole time. I'm going to show up, and my promises are true. My promises to you will come true, whether you're on the mountaintop or in the valley. God promises to be right in the middle of your pain, and he keeps his promises. Number three is found in verse 19. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. I mean, Abraham, old man, since he was about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Here's the thing. Belief takes a real look at perplexing, at perplexing problems and still has the faith that God is going to show up. Belief doesn't ignore facts, but belief helps us to face those problems head on. What that means for you and I is you may be facing something that you think is insurmountable, that just couldn't possibly happen. But God knows different. And believing in God's word gives us better perspectives on those kind of seasons we go through. I mean, have you ever gone through a season that's been difficult? You feel like the deck is stacked against you. It's insurmountable, but yet the word reveals to you someone or something that was so similar, so lined up with the season you were going in, and yet God showed up in that moment, and that helps fuel our belief that if, if God showed up for them, he's certainly going to show up for me. Or maybe, just maybe, you've met somebody in the church that went through a season, and all of a sudden God showed up there, and he showed up for them, and it was enough to help you overcome your own belief and believe that God would show up in your life as well. And then our fourth one is found in verse 20. It says, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith, and he gave glory to God. See, belief is consistent in its progress, and it grows. Abraham and Sarah, they waited 13 years for their child. They had plenty of time for their faith and their belief to grow you know what that means for us that means that where i am today in my faith isn't where i'm going to end up you know that that means the same for you where you are in your belief right now about god and jesus and the holy spirit and how he works in your life that isn't going to be that's not where you're going to end up that god still wants to continue to, to help you understand him Grow close to him. Understand how he moves in your lives. And then number five, we find, we find just this simple phrase. Abraham, he gave glory to God because belief culminates in praise. I mean, check this out. Belief should always culminate in praise. Have you ever praised God when he did something amazing in your lives? Anybody? Anybody? Not many of you. There's only like three of you. Come on, y'all. Have you ever praised God when things didn't go your way? 
belief should culminate with praise, whether it was an answered prayer or an unanswered prayer, whether God showed up or you thought he didn't. Because I guarantee you, sometimes the times when we think God didn't show up, he was there all the time. I mean, he kept you out of something that he, that, that he didn't want you in and you would have gone there without him. Abraham praised God before the birth of his son. He's still in the middle, waiting, and he praises God. He's standing on the promise, which means if you're, if you're in the middle of it, if you're in the middle of the season, keep standing on the promise. I think there's a hymn about that. I mean, we, learn, we need to learn to praise God in advance for the things that we can't see. And then our sixth principle is found in verse 21. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Here's my hope. My prayer for you today, my prayer for me today, is that by the time we leave here today, that you will be fully persuaded to put your belief and your faith that God will show up because he's the Lord of your life. See, belief is convinced of the promises of God convinced that the promises of God that we read in Scripture are for me too and are for you too. And here's the thing. God has the ability to do what He says He's going to do. And do you know what else God has? God has the integrity to do what He says He's going to do. The world doesn't have the track record or the integrity that our God does. Amen? I mean, this is pretty good preaching today. I mean, this is only week two and I'm doing pretty good. So you got to help me. I mean, belief is the foundation of our faith. And our faith changes everything. I mean, belief is the core, and that's why it originates in the heart. And here's the thing. When you confess, when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, everything changes perspective, decision-making. How you live changes. Here, here's what's true of me. My belief in God is confident in a powerful person. My belief in God takes comfort in the midst of pain. My belief in God is candid about perplexing situations. My belief in God brings clarity amongst confusion. My belief in God is consistent in progress and my belief in God culminates in praise and my my belief in God is convinced of his promises what say you is your belief in God so strong because you're confident in a powerful person that he who began a good work in you is faithful to make it so is that you I mean, are, are, are you confident that in the midst of pain, in the, in, the, in the midst of a difficult season, that even though it might be almost unbearable to live with here, that God will still show up in the middle of that? Are you confident of that? Are you confident that God will be candid with you in those situations where you wrestle with His will and ways or the world's will and ways? I mean, this is probably one of those that we really struggle the most with. And are you confident that God will bring clarity amongst confusion? I believe that firmly. 
If anybody ever says to you, well, gosh, I, I kind of sensed this, I thought this, but I'm not sure if it was God, I'm not sure. The first thing I'm going to say to you is go to Scripture. Can you verify it in Scripture? If you can find what experience you had in Scripture, then you're on the right track. And do you have clarity with what you experience? And if you have Scripture and clarity, then it is of God. If you're lacking any of those, we've got to ask where it's coming from. Does your belief culminate in praise? And are you confident? Are you ultimately confident in God's promises? That's my prayer for us as a church. Now, I forgot to tell you, this is part one of a four-part series on belief. And so we're going to spend the next three weeks talking about the same kind of subject. Uh, and hopefully in, in, at the end, we'll all have a much better understanding of how important belief is, what we believe about God, and maybe, just maybe, if not, right now, the Lord Jesus will not just be a Savior to you, but He will be the Lord of your life and lead you and guide you in every, will, in every way in your life. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this morning and the opportunity to open your word. And we see in your word just a few examples of how, um, how it is so important to understand what we believe, not only about you, but about the world and everything around us and our belief and our, and our, and our structure of belief that is formed and founded in a year. Really, it's not about how much we know, Lord. It's, it's, it's how much we know you that matters. And so may God, over the next few weeks, as we open this, your word and, and as you point us towards this, this foundational principle of what we believe about you and, 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 and God and the Holy Spirit, Lord, would you help each and every one of us not only draw closer to you, but maybe, just maybe, there's somebody in our church family that has been walking with the Lord, but they haven't given God, they haven't given Jesus full authority in our, we're not living under the Lordship of Jesus, which means simply that Jesus just doesn't have full authority in our lives, that over the next few weeks, we will find a just a deep desire to, to, to let go of some things, to surrender some things over to you so that you can take control. Because God, I've found in my life that the best way for me to live is when I don't have to worry about controlling everything. When I give you control, God, everything seems to work out, even in the midst of difficult seasons. And so may God, you help us over the next few weeks to draw closer to you, number one, but also to, to, to maybe for the very first time place you in authority over our lives. Or maybe for, for those of us who, who say, yeah, Jesus is my Lord, but yet sometimes that, that, that authority wanes, may we reestablish it firmly as we move forward as a faith family. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Have a great day. We will see you next Sunday. Um, it's not 1230.